designed us to live in relationship with himself. But sin, your sin, my sin, has created a dilemma for us so that we don't know God. But the good news, and this is the good news, and I can't, I, I can't go any further without telling you good news. The good news is that God in his great love has made a way for us to have our sin forgiven and enter into family with him. Uh, people have debated how to get to God, and, and people have been trying to build a ladder to God since the beginning of time. Since sin entered the scene of human history, people have been trying to get to God or what they imagine God to be like, and they've struggled and they've fought and they've, they've built towers and monuments and, and, and followed different kind of passions and pursuits and pleasures, all to satisfy that God-shaped yearning in their soul. I'm a Baptist preacher. I'm also the son of a Baptist preacher. And so I was raised knowing uh, that there is good and there is bad. There is right and there is wrong. Uh, There's a way to do Baptist life and there's a way not to do Baptist life. And I imagined as a young boy that the way for me to get to God was to do good stuff, do church stuff, do Baptist stuff. Can I tell you, it won't help. It doesn't do anything except make us look kind of nice on most occasions. But it doesn't fix our core problem, which is distance from God. I mean, I I would do everything that I could do to make sure that I was doing the good stuff. I I, I read my Bible every day, and I prayed every day, and and, and as best I could, obeyed my mom and dad. I tried to do all those good things. I would would memorize Scripture, and, and I would give my tithe and offering, and I would attend... Sunday school or small group or life group, whatever it was called, and, and, and I would go to, to, to youth choir until they kicked me out. And I would do all these things trying to be good, and, and still there was an emptiness inside that I couldn't shake. There was a hole in my soul that I couldn't overcome. So I, I did the next Baptist thing. Even as a young kid, I I knew that the next Baptist thing was to go down an aisle and talk to the preacher who was my dad, tell him it's time for me to be baptized because it's in our name, right? Baptist, baptized, it's an important thing. And so I I, I did that very thing. In, In a search to remove the emptiness inside me, I did the next Baptist thing. I went down an aisle and I uh, said, Dad, it's time for me to be baptized. And he asked me all the right questions and I gave him all the right answers. And a few weeks later, I was baptized and, and dunked in a tub all the way under the water, bubbled a couple of times, came up out of the water, and the emptiness was still there. Because no amount of good stuff, no amount of religious stuff, not even Baptist stuff is going to bridge the distance that my sin has created. The bad news for you and me and for all humanity is that we are all sinners and we all fall short of God. 
And because of our sin, we're distanced from him. We don't want to be like fainting goats, but because we don't have a friendship with God, because we're far from him, that's exactly the way we are. We're, we're terrified in life, whether we acknowledge it or not. I went on and on and doing good stuff, trying to be better at being better, and, and, and did all of that until one night, it was a Sunday night, and I was sitting in the back of the Baptist church. My dad was up here preaching. It's a thing called Sunday night church. Y'all don't know what that is, but it's a thing called Sunday night church. And we went to Sunday night church, and and I was sitting on the back row. And and in those days, you didn't skip uh, Sunday night church for the Super Bowl. I mean, my family didn't because, you know, I was a preacher's kid. But I'm sitting on the back row. It wasn't Super Bowl, but it was in November. And I was sitting on the back row. And when I sat down, I'd been trying to be a better me, always working to be a better me. Now I'm in my teen years, and I'm sitting on the back row, and I don't know what Dad was preaching. I don't know what he said. I don't know what his topic was. But on that night, God confronted me. God confronted me about my sin. My problem wasn't that I wasn't religious. My problem was that I was separated from God by my sin. And it was a chasm I could not bridge on my own. I finally decided I was going to do what I needed to do from the very beginning, is just give up, repent my sin, acknowledge that my sin was the problem, my sin was the problem, and put all my hope in Jesus. Now, there's good news. You see, uh, the good news for us, the bad news is that our sin has separated us from God. The good news is that God in his love sent Jesus to bridge the distance that our sin has created. God sent Jesus to be perfect in every way and then to go and die on a cross for my sin. I realized on that night that when Jesus was hanging on the cross, as he was dying, as he cried out, it is finished, in that moment, Jesus had Eric Thomas in his mind and on his heart. He was paying the penalty for my sin. He was taking the punishment that I deserved. He was dying so that I could be forgiven. And in that moment, he provided exactly what I needed. forgiveness, and a new life. Today, I'm thankful that God confronted me on that night because on that night, tears in my eyes, I came down and I told my dad, I said, Dad, I need to be saved, rescued. And Dad and I knelt at the steps, and in that moment, everything changed for me. In that moment when I acknowledged my sin before a holy God, in that moment when I trusted that Jesus and his death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead was my only hope for life, in that moment where I 
I, I committed myself to God and surrendered my life to Him. In that moment when I knelt before Jesus and begged Him to save me, in that moment, everything changed. I was born again. I was changed. I was transformed. The sin that had separated me from God had been covered by the sacrifice of Christ. And from that day forward, the hole that had shaped itself in my soul because of my sin disappeared. And from that moment all the way to heaven, I now live in fellowship with God. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. Children! Not strangers, not foreigners, not do-gooders. Children, part of his family. It's a different ball game now. The promise of this passage that we need to take hold of and we need to live in, the promise is that when we abide in Jesus, we live with courageous confidence from here to heaven. Now, what does that mean, abide in Jesus? Well, we hear it in verse 28 and 29 of chapter 2. It says, now little children, abide in him, Jesus, that when he, Jesus, appears, we may have confidence, that's courageous confidence, and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. So what's he talking about here? He said, the command is if you want to have courageous confidence from here to heaven, and when, when Jesus appears, that's, that's heaven, that's, that's his second coming, but it's also when we meet him face to face. If we want to have confidence when he appears rather than shame when he appears, then we must abide in him. And the beginning step of abiding in Jesus is being born of God. Having a new life erupt in your soul. I'm not talking about being religious. I'm talking about being rescued. It's where everything changes. I go from living in darkness to living in light, from from being in despair to having hope. Going from being dead to being alive. This is what God has done for you and me through Christ. If we're going to have courageous confidence from here to heaven, we must abide in Jesus. And that begins when you and I come to the end of our own efforts and trust in Jesus to rescue us. We place our faith in Jesus and repent our sin, and he transforms our lives. Paul said it a little bit differently in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. He said, if anyone is in Christ, anyone abides in Christ, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. God has brought us rescue. In the person of Jesus Christ, for God so loved the world 
that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. When we abide in Jesus, we live with courageous confidence from here to heaven. We won't be like fainting goats. Why? Because when we live in this promise, we understand that in Christ we are secure in our identity. There are going to be two teams playing on the gridiron today for the Super Bowl. One is the Dallas Cowboys. No. One is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and the other is uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. I could care less about either team. Uh, One of my sons-in-law is a great fan of the Kansas City Chiefs. The other one who is in the room likes Tom Brady. I don't know why, but he does. So... First half, I'll cheer for the Chiefs. Second half, I'll cheer for Tom Brady. No, I, look, depending on your, your team and depending on your passion, there are people that are going to be in the stands of the Super Bowl, and they're either going to be wearing Buccaneer colors or they're going to be wearing Chief colors. And their identity at that game is going to be defined by which jersey they're wearing. Identity is an important thing for every person. We all want to know the answer to the question, who am I? If we don't know who we are, we live an insecure life. You've heard it said that people who uh, are, uh, you know, uh, wandering through life aimlessly, well, they don't really know who they are. They, They don't have a sense, a firm sense of their identity. I want you to listen again to 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. After he says, here's the command, abide in him, and here's uh, who can abide in him, those who are born of God, chapter 3, verse 1, John then says in this great exclamation, behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. What's he saying? He's saying, set your gaze upon this one truth. If you have been born of God, if you have, uh, if you have been rescued by God's grace through faith in Jesus, then set your gaze upon this reality, your new identity. God in his love has brought you into his family. You now are a son or a daughter of God, no longer living as orphans in a strange land. Now you are part of God's family. God is with you, and you are with God. He has claimed you as his very own. And when we abide in Jesus we come to realize more intently and more intensely every single day that I belong to God. People have asked me over the years, uh, Eric, do, do you think that we need Jesus to go to heaven? I Absolutely. But could I add something? Brother, we need Jesus to go to Target. 
We need Jesus just to get through this day. Jesus is the one who awakens in us the fact that we are sons and daughters of the living God, that I am no longer living through this life in my own strength, in my own power, in my own ability. I am a son. I am a daughter of the living God. He is with me. He is for me every single day from here to heaven. And that's who I am. And that gives us security. That gives us courage. It gives us confidence. No matter what we face, no matter the struggles that startle us, no matter the pain that can pummel us, no matter the the, the despair that can get hold of us, we have a Father, and He loves us with the greatest love imaginable, out-of-this-world kind of love, beyond description, beyond comprehension. I can only look at it. I can only see it. I can only declare it. I can only sink my soul in it as I abide in Christ. In Jesus, we are secure in our identity. We carry the colors of the kingdom of God. That's who we are. If, if we have been born of God, if there's been that transformation in our life to make us part of God's family. You see, God does not lay claim to those who are not covered by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Not everyone who's made in the image of God belongs to the family of God. So maybe that's really where you need to begin today. Maybe that's where you need to start. Maybe you're like I was, just trying to be a better version of me. Just trying to get better at doing better and just trying to be more religious and still having that emptiness in my heart and soul that I could not fill. You need a new identity, an identity that gives you courage and confidence from here to heaven, and that identity is found through faith in Jesus Christ. As followers of Christ, are you abiding in him as well? See, abiding is more than just a one-shot deal. It's a continual thing that begins to happen in our lives so that we are intricately linked to Jesus so that he shapes our passions and our desires and our interests so that he shapes our our living and our believing our identity I'm a son of the living God that affects how I live my life when we live by this promise when we soak in 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 this promise that 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 Uh, abiding in Jesus gives us courageous confidence from here to heaven, we we understand that in Jesus we have a secure identity. We also understand that in Jesus um, we are secure in our destination. Now, please just take a moment and, and, and giggle with me a little bit. It would sound a lot better if I said, in Jesus we are secure in our destiny. But that makes me feel like a TV preacher, and so I thought destination would sound a little bit better for me. I'm more Baptist than TV preacher, and I'm in front of a camera way too much anyway for my own comfort. So a destination, it could be destiny. Um, In Jesus, we are secure in our destination. 
Where are you going? See, it, 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 this, this abiding in Jesus not only answers the question, who am I? It also answers the question, where am I going? Where are you going? And will you know when you get there? Today, we need to hear from God speaking through his word as he tells us where we're going and how that gives us courageous confidence. I want you to listen, beginning second part of verse, uh, verse 1 all the way to verse 3. So it says, uh, Behold uh, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God. And then he goes on and he says, Therefore the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God. Says it again. Now, right now, we're children of God. We're part of his family. And it's not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when Jesus is revealed, here it is, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in Jesus purifies himself just as he is pure. You know, we, we, we understand, we understand that the world just doesn't get those who belong to God. They, they don't understand us. We understand that people who are far from God don't understand how we live or why we live the way we do. They don't get it. That's what John says, the world doesn't know you because it doesn't know Jesus. It doesn't understand you because it doesn't understand Jesus. We need to go ahead and embrace that. But, and, and that lack of understanding where the world doesn't get us can lead to hostility. It can lead to tough times. It can lead to challenges and, and, and lead to uh, uh, opposition. It, it can lead to, to difficult days. But even in the face of those difficult days, we don't have to be like Tennessee fainting goats. Because we know where we're going. When Jesus appears, we know where we're going. Our destination is more than just a place called heaven, although it includes that. But as we abide in Jesus, we understand more and more and more each day that we are being made like Jesus. And when he appears, we shall be like him. Can I tell you, you want to know where you're going if you're a follower of Jesus? You want to know your destination? It's to be like Jesus every day from here to heaven. It simplifies life when we understand that I'm not trying to be like the Joneses or the Smiths. I'm not trying to be like the popular influencer on uh, uh, social media. I, I, I'm not trying to come up with the latest TikTok craze so that I go, uh, my, my thingy thingy goes viral. I, well, no, my destination is clear. My goal is clear. Every day I'm to be more like Jesus. Because we really do believe, and we really do believe and we will believe more and more and more as we connect with Jesus, we really do believe that Jesus himself is the substance of life itself. 
that Jesus himself is truly the substance of everything that is satisfying to my soul. That Jesus himself is the one who bridged the gap between me and God and brought me into the family of God so that God claims me as his own. So I want to be more like Jesus every single day until I meet Jesus face to face. Where are you going? I don't know the geography of where I'm going, but I can tell you the destination. I'm becoming more like Jesus today, and which begs the question, are you more like Jesus today than you were yesterday? Are you more like Jesus today than you were five days ago? Are you more like Jesus today than you were five years ago or five decades ago? God didn't save us so that we could remain static. God saved us so that we might enter into this flow of relationship with Jesus where we become more like him. That's our hope. Our hope is that we will be more like Jesus. Oh, it changes our relationships. It changes how we, how, how we work. It changes how we play. It changes how we relate to people around us who don't get us. It changes everything because as we walk through this world from here to heaven, we walk with courageous confidence knowing that the Spirit of God is shaping my attitude, my actions, my beliefs, my, my, my believing, and my living so that it reflects the character of Christ. And there's nothing more satisfying that you and I could ever experience than to be more like Jesus. But there is a problem. It's the same problem that we began with. It's called sin. Sin is still a dilemma. I don't know about you, but being obedient to God can be hard. Not all the time and not in everything, but being obedient to God can be hard. Now, you're thinking to yourself, well, yeah, I, I guess so. But if we're really honest, there are things that we struggle with, right? Old-timers called it besetting sins, right? We have those places in our life where sin seems to win the day most days. And it creates damage to our soul. Of course, there are some places where it's easy to be obedient to God. If in Scripture, the 11th commandment said, thou shalt not eat coconut, man, I'm golden. The 11th commandment is mine. But if the 11th commandment said, thou shalt not eat chocolate and peanut butter together, the way it was before sin entered the world, I would have trouble. We all understand that there are certain sins that hit us. And they may be sins of the mind or sins of the tongue or sins of the hands or sins of the heart. And we know purity is a big deal. We know that, that if we're going to be more like Jesus from here to heaven, abide in Christ, we've got to obey Jesus. That's John 15. We've got to obey his commands. But sin still gets in the way. But here's good news. The good news is that in Jesus, 
we have victory over sin. That's the good news. Now look at verses 4 through 9. Verses 4 through 9. Whoever, and you've got to listen to my language because my language is, is very specific. Okay, Whoever keeps on sinning also keeps on committing lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. And you know that Jesus was manifested to remove our sins, and in him, in Jesus, there is no sin. Whoever abides in Jesus does not keep on sinning. Whoever keeps on sinning has neither seen Jesus nor known Jesus. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as Jesus is righteous. But he who keeps on sinning is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was revealed, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God does not keep on sinning, for God's seed remains in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. Now, as you look at your translation, as you read along with me, you notice that probably I added more words than what you find in your copy of Scripture. Now, why would I do that? Well, in the language of the Bible, there are tenses of verbs. You know verb tense. If you're a grammarian, you know exactly. You've got past tense, present tense, future tense. Here we have a, a present tense verb that is durative. It, it, it's, it's not progressive. It's durative or iterative. And what that means is it's I'm going to sin and I'm going to keep on sinning. And there's no interruption in my lawlessness, my disobedience to God. I sin continually as a lifestyle unabated. Now, the problem with that is, as followers of Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, this is what it looks like when you sin. By the way, 1 John 1, 8, 9, and 10 tell us that followers of Jesus are going to sin. So that's not what John… John's not talking about coming to the place where you never sin. He's not talking about coming to a place where you're sinless. He's talking about coming to a place where you sin less. And there's a difference. So what John's saying is, as a follower of Jesus, you sin, or I sin, and immediately you feel sick in your soul. There's a grieving in your heart. There's a conviction that you experience immediately. It's like, it's like eating uh, 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 or drinking uh, 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 curdled milk. You take the cart and you lift it up and you drink that. You don't have it much anymore, but you lift that up and you start uh, chewing on the milk rather than drinking the milk. The smell gets in your nostril and immediately you want to gag. As a follower of Jesus, that's what sin is like for us. And so the moment we sin or in that season of sin, God takes hold of us and he convicts us and he says, stop it. And our hearts bend toward obedience. And we confess our sin. And he is faithful and just to forgive our sin and to cleanse us from our unrighteousness. If you have no problem with sin, chances are you're not part of God's family. 
Now, I want you to hear that because the language is very specific. If you don't have a problem with sinning, it's not because you're not sinning. It's because you are not convicted in your heart over the sin that you're doing. You don't feel the cancer in your soul that sin really is. And if you don't feel that, that sickness over sin, that soul sickness that swallows up your hope because of your sin, if you don't feel any of that and you're just okay doing whatever you want to and God doesn't even come into the picture, chances are you're not a follower of Jesus. That's what John's getting at in these verses. He's saying, if you don't feel any kind of compulsion toward confession or repentance when you sin, then you are not part of God's family. So you need to evaluate that. You, you, all of us do. All of us need to, 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 to consider, all right, and, and do I feel that conviction? It, it, it is a beautiful thing not to sin but to experience fresh and new the grace of God when we confess our sin. And if you're followers of Jesus, that's what we need to do. Now, here's where the victory comes in. See, the victory is not found in us pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps. The victory is found in what Jesus has done. Verse 5, Jesus came to remove sin, the stain of our sin, the guilt of our sin. Jesus came through his death on the cross. Jesus came to remove that stain of sin. Verse 8, he came to destroy the work of the devil. Jesus came to destroy the power of sin over us. Now, Romans chapter 6 says that uh, we should not let sin have dominion over us because we are not under the law, but we are under grace. What that means is that we don't have to sin. We have the power given to us by Jesus Christ himself to say no to sin. The victory that Jesus gained at his, at his resurrection is the resurrection power that pulses in us so that when temptation comes our way, we can say no as we abide in Jesus. See the circle. See, as followers of Jesus... The more we abide in Jesus, the more we starve the influence of sin in our life. The more we abide in Jesus, the more we starve the power of sin over our lives. The more we abide in Jesus, the less influence sin has. Even the peanut butter and chocolate kind of influence. So that when we see Jesus face to face, we're not ashamed, but rather we have courageous confidence from here to heaven that we've been made more and more and more like Jesus. And when we see him face to face, we dive into the ultimate victory that he has provided for us. Today, see the victory. Live in that victory. No temptation has overtaken you except that which is common to every person. And with that temptation, God makes available to every one of his children the pathway to escape. 
so that we might live in victory over sin. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, if you're looking for the passage. Hey, listen. God wants us who belong to him to stand secure even in shaky days. And he gives us all the resources we need. He gives us the person we need. He gives us Jesus. I invite you to bow your heads with me, please. This morning, if you are wondering if you're a follower of Jesus or not, if, if you're uncertain, if you've been trying to get better at being better, or, or maybe you're, you've come to a realization God has confronted you here and now, and He's saying, dude, you're not part of my family. You're like I was, as that teenager sitting on the back row of that church. If that's who you are, whether you're in the room or online, I beg you today to come to Christ, to let go of all the religious stuff and the moral stuff and the trying to be better stuff. Let go of all that and come to Jesus to see that his death is what paves the way for your forgiveness, only his death. That his resurrection has built a bridge so that you might have friendship, family with God. I beg you to come to Christ, to confess, oh God, I admit that I'm a sinner and my sin has separated me from you. And I admit that I've been trying to get to you my own way. Admit. Believe. Even though I've been trying to get to you my own way, I, I've come to the end of my rope. Oh God, I, I, I believe that Jesus is my only hope. I believe that you sent Jesus to die for my sin upon a cross and you raised Jesus from the dead so that I could have forgiveness forever for my sin. So that I could be born again. So that I could be part of your family. So I admit that I've sinned and I've been trying to do life my own way and I believe that Jesus is my only hope. I'm at the end of my rope. So now I commit my life to you. I surrender myself to you, oh God. I, I commit myself to you and I ask, oh God, will you rescue me? Will you give me a new life? Will you give me a new heart and a new mind? Will you, will you transform me? Will you claim me as part of your family today? If that's the desire of your heart, if that's the prayer that you pray, then I want to help you. And, and, and our staff team, we want to help you abide in Christ. This is the first step of abiding is coming to Christ by faith. And if that's who you are, then I invite you to text Jesus to the number on the screen. Or, or you can email me at pastor at firstnorfolk.org and just say, I, I need Jesus or I prayed that prayer to come to Christ or, or somebody help me know whether I'm part of God's family or not. Just let, let, let's start the conversation and right now, oh Spirit of God, I pray that you would give the faith that is needed to those whom you are drawing to yourself, that they would do that work that needs to be done the only work and the work of faith that you give us. And that 
that you would draw to yourself those whom you are calling and that they would be saved today. If you're a follower of Christ in the room, then as we sing this final song, come to the altar. I I just want to encourage you, let the Word of God speak to your heart. Maybe there's sin that you need to confess and turn from. Now, maybe you have not been abiding in Christ as a follower of Jesus. You've, you've kept Him as a weekend attraction, but you haven't, you haven't given yourself day to day a diet of Him in your everyday life, and, and that needs to change. Maybe, maybe you, 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 you haven't become more like Jesus. You're dissatisfied in this life, not because you don't have a new car. You're dissatisfied in this life because you're not living according to your identity. You're not walking the path which is your destination. You're giving yourself over to defeat even though God has given you the victory in Jesus. And so in these next few moments, let's just, let's just bow our hearts and heads before a holy God and let's come to the altar. And let's talk to God about our lives. So, Father, be glorified in these next few moments. Speak to your children, and we will obey and help for us to be transformed again, fresh and new in this moment. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.